sacredjourney.net. I'm a spiritual director, facilitator, and guide, and you're listening to Pilgrim Podcast, a show exploring spirituality and intention in travels and daily life and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. Are you planning a pilgrimage? This episode is brought to you by Journey Guide, a step-by-step travel companion for your pilgrimage of a lifetime. Journey Guide is a multimedia travel resource infused with soul, including guides and writing prompts for each stage of the journey, worksheets and resources to go deeper, interviews with seasoned pilgrims, and more. Learn more about how Journey Guide can enhance your next pilgrimage at asacredjourney.net. Welcome back to Pilgrim Podcast. Today, we are talking about the Camino, which I know ever since we began, Pilgrim Podcast has been a destination, a pilgrimage of interest for many. And we'll be talking to Michael Snyder, who's the communications director for Pilgrim House in Santiago de Compostela in Spain, where they welcome pilgrims from the Camino. So thank you, Michael, for joining us. Of course. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you too. I'm especially excited to hear your experience and the insight you have to offer because so often we think about the Camino, we want to hear about walking the Camino and yet uh, welcoming pilgrims. You have an interesting standpoint where you see so many different people coming in um, and really mark that important transition of integrating the journey and um, taking it home. Yeah, it's incredibly important. And it's also one I don't think many people consider until they're in the moment or maybe Mm, back home mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to readjust. Yeah, yeah. Their main goal is to reach the city to see the cathedral. Right. And then not really thinking much about what now. Yeah, yeah. And it it hits a lot of people um, unawares. They they expect to be celebratory Mm. and excited. And when it's heavier... And it's a little bit confusing. They don't know what to do with all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to dig into that and explore that because I think not only will that be helpful for those walking the Camino, but those experiencing other pilgrimages as well, even pilgrimages in everyday life. But first, I'd love for you to share about your spiritual journey and what got you to where you are today doing this work. Wow. Um, Big question. It is. It's 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 a bit convoluted and difficult to condense. But yeah, well, share with us the version you like. Well, the highlights are the highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I was born and raised in East Tennessee. So at the age of nine, I was baptized in a Baptist church. Went to a uh, kind of a charismatic non-denominational church through high school, attended a Church of God college, and my home church now is Presbyterian. So in terms of denominational and faith experience, uh, I've been all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I have a feeling you're not alone amongst our audience. Oh, it's been incredibly rich, and I think maybe one of mm-hmm. the most valuable things God has given me Um and uh, so it's it's hard to really give an overview of maybe my faith point of view or experiences with God because mm, they're mm-hmm. so diverse and uh, and textured. Yeah, uh, but that's that's kind of where I come from is is uh, 
yeah, a multitude of experiences and communities, mm-hmm. and um, which has served me well here because you never know who's coming through the door and what their past uh, yeah. is. Hmm. Well, and you are working with Pilgrim House, which um, is run by another organization, is it not? That's what I deduced from your email <laughs> address. It is. We are... Um, we're a project of a faith-based organization in the States called One Collective. Um, mm, mm-hmm. They have many projects all around the world, um, and but we're the only one in Spain and the only one dealing with pilgrims. So we're rather unique in that sense. Oh, yeah. And as the Camino grows, I know we were talking a bit about that before we recorded as it grows in popularity, what um, a valuable resource to provide. It it is, um, especially at the end. There, there's lots of places along the Camino to uh, have these very broad and deep conversations. Um, and if they do a typical Camino, which is thirty to forty days, um, it just becomes routine, and, and people get very mm, used mm-hmm. to falling into these conversations, um, exploring ideas with other pilgrims. But when you get to the end and you enter into Santiago, um, many times they're treated like just another tourist. Hmm, mm-hmm. So this culture that has been built up around them and that they've gotten very comfortable in disappears. Yeah. And uh, so part of our vision is to bring the pilgrim culture and maintain it in Santiago and give them a safe place to not only continue to explore, but um, actually begin to uh process what it is to go home. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of fear and trepidation a lot of times in the transition, um, especially with those who end up in Santiago and have to leave the day after. Oh yeah. Um, it's a really difficult and emotional time. Hmm. Well, tell me a bit about the Camino, especially for those who are new to the walk. It, it's not, most people think of the, uh, Frances path, right? The one that starts in France. Um, But there's multiple paths. They all lead to Santiago de Compostela, yeah? They do. They do. There's probably, I I started counting the other day and stopped around 30. Um, There's eight main paths that actually enter the city. But uh, if you actually trace them back, they, they start all over Europe and funnel down through France and then across the north of Spain. And Last year, I think, an unofficial count, there was over 400,000 pilgrims come through Santiago from the various trails. Yeah, wow. So it's hugely uh, important. It's hugely popular. But by far, the Frances is the most popular. Yeah. Well, and I guess originally, I mean, the path was the one from your front door, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And, and we have a, a, quite a few pilgrims who actually do that, which is amazing. They have four or five wow. months to get to us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it truly is, I don't, it, it's life changing. It's transformational. Um, and uh, it's hard to imagine it being anything else, honestly, if you commit that much time to walk by foot. Um, oh, I'm sure. It's, it's quite an experience. So who do you find walks? the Camino and what are some of their reasons for walking? I know, I mean, my husband has walked it and I have a, another friend who has walked it. Um, and then I watched the way. So, uh, right. so I've got these fictitious characters <laughs> who had, you know, 
a multitude of reasons. And what I loved about that movie too, is that um, some of the reasons they started weren't the reasons when they ended as well, that they discovered their reasons along the way. That's, it's very true. Um, yeah, I would, yeah, we're talking in super generalities right now. Um, but many pilgrims are at a point of transition. So you get a lot of young pilgrims that have just finished school, don't have work mm-hmm. yet, don't really have a life plan. Um, so the Camino seems like a good time and place to maybe sort some things out. Um, we have a lot of retired people. They just retired and don't know what to do. So they sort of start to walk in that way. Hmm. Um, that reminds me of that. Um, I'm not going to say it right. Maybe the Salvatore Ambulando. Exactly. Ambulado. It's solved by walking. Yes. yes. Hmm. And I think it's, it's nothing special about the Camino. I just, I think it's a very human way to start processing. So, and and we also have people, they they lose family members or they've just gone through a divorce and um, so, so many pilgrims come through and they've had these, um, these moments, uh, pivotal moments in their lives that they don't know what to do with. Um, And and they feel ill-equipped actually to, to sort of uh, to process in place at home and um, the Camino seems like the right thing. And often it, it's a beautiful first step. You know, it's, it's a lifelong mm. of processing, but mm-hmm. this gives them the time and space to uh, reconnect with themselves a lot of times because yeah, I think so much of our time in society disconnects us from ourselves. And uh, walking, uh, having a, a really slow daily rhythm is fundamental to that reconnection. Yeah. Well, it almost seems like, especially with the reasons people come and as you said, the trouble they have after finishing and transitioning that the, the path becomes a companion to them on the journey and the walking this new rhythm, especially if life has been chaotic yes. up until that point. Yeah. It's a little oasis. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, I see this a lot. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it because some people start to use the Camino as a spiritual discipline, which hmm. is incredible if you can afford it or if it's, if it works with your life. Um, yeah. but oftentimes, uh, they, they finish the first Camino. It's, it's an amazing time. They don't really know how to take it home with them, how to process. And, um, the Camino starts to become this, uh, utopia of sorts. Mm, mm-hmm, and so they keep coming mm-hmm. back trying to find what they found the first time and yeah. that you can't return to that moment. It's, it's mm-hmm. the first time is its own thing. And then every Camino after that is always unique. But I think that if um, people were more prepared to, uh, for the return home to, to hold on to what yeah. they've gained on the Camino the the need to come back wouldn't be quite as strong. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so I think a lot of what we do is um, help people become more intentional, more mindful yeah. of, of what really has been going on and how to make choices to either hold on to maybe maintain uh, what has started on the Camino. And, yeah. um, and there's no system, there's no... Uh, 
<laughs> framework for it. Everyone is so mm-hmm. unique, but mm-hmm. uh, the it, it's interesting. I, I really feel like the spirit leads us a lot in um, in meeting mm-hmm. these people and the answers that come out. They they have already, and um, it's a very unique sort of uh, interaction. We don't have yeah a system that we kind of put people through to prepare on the way home. Um, every uh, interaction and debrief and conversation is completely unique. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. it, it's really profound too, because as as varied as these conversations are, there's always a, a very familiar human ache to what's going mm. on. And despite yeah. the details, we, love is the same. God loves them. We love them. And um, it really starts a healing process that um, yeah. we pray continues as they go home. So do you find then that even those who, like my husband, when he walked, um, he met a guy who, and he, this guy lived nearby and um, had dinner at our house, you know, a month or so after they had finished. And um, I was surprised because I'm immersed in, you know, this language of pilgrimage that he didn't even see the Camino as that. (laughs) And yet I could swear that deep, you know, layers deep down within, there was some sort of spiritual something stirring through that walk, even if he didn't recognize that. Do you feel that there are some people that come just to do a walk or have an adventurous experience um, and it becomes spiritual in some way, whether they know it or not? Absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of what we do is maybe add context to those experiences or, mm. or maybe even start to adapt a language for them to start to grapple with it. Um, yeah. So much of processing does involve language and if you come from a background that uh, doesn't give you that language to sort of wrestle with and, and hold on to what's going mm-hmm. on, um, it's hard to get out of the emotional intangible and actually see what's mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, yeah. And language is really interesting, especially in this point. Um, there, We don't always have English speakers, especially, I mean, English may be a second or third, fourth, fifth language for a lot of pilgrims. Mm-hmm. And, and so becomes a point that we have to be able to um, be creative with. Yeah. uh We have to look beyond the actual words that they're using and see the heart and, um, and adapt our personal language. Like we're really comfortable with certain ways of talking about the Camino and talking about faith and spirituality. Uh Um, But if someone else is using different language or maybe is uncomfortable with my personal language, then I need to be able to adapt mm-hmm. that uh, and not be so caught up in my language, but really hold on to the truth Yeah, and recognize that truth. That feels, yeah, that feels like a very pilgrim-esque thing to be able to do as well. It reminds me of pilgrims on a journey in different cultures um, needing to translate in order to more deeply connect. Yeah, I think it's a tr- it's it's the act itself is transformational in, in the small mm-hmm. t transformational sense, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's also a profound difference of uh, pilgriming. Pilgriming is that a verb? 
<laughs> we'll make it one. Um, in an environment that you know the language versus one that you don't, um, mm. you're much more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You're uh, much more <laughs> confused most of the time. Mm -hmm. You're unsure of yourself. And all of these states are, uh, are valuable states. They're uncomfortable, but um, they really start to show or reveal kind of uh, yourself to yourself. Yeah. And um, yeah, and the Camino does that. It, it breaks you down physically, mentally. Uh, the, the, there's kind of, it, it's kind of trite to say, but I, I think there's a lot of truth in it that the, uh, in terms of talking about the Frances, which is roughly a month long, mm -hmm. that the first third is physical and it breaks you down and you're, you're dealing with blisters in your feet and your body. Yeah. Well, you even cross, is it the first day you cross mountains? Oh yeah. The Pyrenees. It's, it's probably the most mm -hmm. intense. <laughs> Diving exactly, in. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second third is mental where your, your body has mm -hmm. started to sort itself out and now memories start to haunt you. Memories that maybe you've never heard or had mm -hmm. for a long time. And, mm -hmm. Um, and thoughts about home and relationships and, and just these things. And you have to start sorting through them. There's nothing to distract you. Yeah. You've just got an eight hour walk. Exactly. And mm -hmm. then the last third, if people will allow it, you get past the mental and then you start to realize if you want to call it spiritual, if you want to call it your soul or your heart, mm -hmm. um, there, there's, there's joys, there's wounds, there's things that are in there that we do a really good job of distracting ourselves from and avoiding. Mm -hmm. And at this point, if you're open to it, um, they're, they're there to be dealt with. Yeah. And um, the whole system is really beautiful. And by the time mm -hmm. you get to the end, um, you whether you like it or not, there there is more of yourself to be seen. Hmm. And, um, hmm. and for me, I, I, I feel like that might be the first step to true transformation. Yeah. Um, and, and even we, we can't truly know God in an intimate way unless we know ourselves. And if, if we're hiding from ourselves, if we're deceiving ourselves, then um, we're always going to have a thicker veil <laughs> Yeah. between us mm -hmm. and um, the supernatural, the, you know. Um, so, right, it, it's a journey, and it just continues yeah. on. Well, and what stands out to me and what you described is that it's um, a completely holistic journey. It involves body, mind, and soul. True. Or spirit. Yeah. Um, and that, that there's something about those three together that seems to pave the way for transformation in a more holistic way than when we're at home. And maybe we see the body as a means to exercise the mind you use at work, you know, the spirit, maybe when you go to church or have your own personal practice. And yet so rarely are these um, parts of ourselves um, that make us whole uh, combined. Right. Right. And I think that's, I mean, that is how we were created. That's our most natural state mm. to have all of these mm -hmm. things fully interacting with one another. And 
to recognize that my body is affecting my spirit and my spirit is affecting my heart and my emotions and my mental state. Um, yeah. We, uh, we tend to think of them as segmented, but functionally, mm-hmm. I don't believe they actually work like that. Yeah. Well, and it seems that given enough time, one engagement leads to the yes. next and leads to the next. Yes. And, and they community. Commune with each other. Right. I think that is, that's sort of like the fourth component that is often overlooked uh, is when you start exploring these things, it's incredibly difficult to do by yourself. Um, mm, mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the Camino, especially I think like the Frances and some of the more popular Caminos give you uh, a built-in community. Yeah. Uh, the moment you start walking, you can work all day by yourself. Uh, but as you sort of bed down at night in Alberge, you're surrounded by people who just walk the same uh, mm. section of trail and are most likely yeah. dealing with very similar things. And um, so you get both. You get the communal aspect and you get the, the solitude, mm. which makes it mm-hmm. truly special, I think. Yeah. Do you find, um, well, I'd love to hear some stories of um, some pilgrims you've welcomed. Welcomed. I know uh, this summer you were doing a series on Instagram that I loved um, that they had like chalkboard signs that yes. kind of talked about their reasons for walking or what they learned. And I love that it too was in their own language as well. Um, yeah. So I'm curious about the stories of transformation that you you hear, you witness, as well as um, the people, as you say, that maybe walked alone, but they end up with a community that they walk with the whole time. I know my husband had a few people that he would kind of come in and out of um, with his walks and see along the way. And then there was one person at a certain point that they they walked the rest of the way together. And so I'm curious about that as well as um, maybe different experiences between people that come as couples or groups of friends versus individuals. Yeah. A lot of questions rolled into <laughs> yeah. one, but you take what you'd like. Um, yeah. Stories of transformation are, that's a tough one hmm. in the sense of, I, I, they're never resolved by the yeah. time they get here. You get glimpses. Right. Um, hmm. I see many people, that it really does start as a um, as a vacation, as an adventure, as a mm-hmm. uh, a cultural experience, um, and then somewhere along the way, it shifts, and they 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 can usually tell you <laughs> the exact spot something mm. starts to click, and um, it's so unexpected that it causes a lot of confusion for a while. And they don't really have the language to deal with it. And by the end, they just, they know that they know that there's something more. Mm-hmm. That um, a lot of times this is, this is very <laughs> difficult, but they also know that they're not quite as together and whole as they thought they were. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've seen their weaknesses. They've seen their... Yeah. Uh, uh, um, in, uh, difficulty dealing with other people because mm-hmm. when you're cold or you're scared or you're frustrated, um, 
especially in a foreign land, these things become really evident. Then they're embarrassed of themselves. Yeah. Like they, they've really had to face exposure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of times these are new experiences or, or at least mm. it's new to acknowledge that these are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, that's a huge step um, to just start to see yourself in that sort of light and recognize maybe yeah. you're not as uh, put together or, or um, yeah, just as whole as you'd like to be. Or yeah. um, Some of my favorite stories have been people who have some sort of faith background and either through loss or hurt or just just life has beat them down and they want to believe, but they've lost it. They've lost the intimacy. They've lost the mm-hmm. hope. And um, and they walk to recover it and, and remember and, and find it again. And, um, and a lot of times it, it, it takes to almost the very end before they actually have it a single conversation, a single moment in the woods by themselves. It, it comes in all sorts of ways, but, um, but they, they, as they talk to you, you can just see the joy has been renewed and that they, wow. they're ready to go home. And hmm. um, they remember while wow, they fell in love with God the first place. And so yeah. those are, those are tremendous moments. And yeah, well, and even that word, remember you know broken up remembering yeah feels like such a nod to a holistic journey right as well and that's a beautiful image i mean because we all know that feeling of being broken and in mm-hmm. pieces and not knowing what to do with them um but and 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 completely like it, it's only god's love and and um maybe acknowledging his love for us that brings that brings us together. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and when that happens apart from organized religion happens apart from any sort of system or program, then it's undeniable for those people. I mean, it was mm. just them and God. And, um, and a lot of times this process happens with people who who don't have the language, they don't have a faith background. And so maybe they'll call it the universe or maybe they'll call it Mm -hmm. by some other name. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it is the first step of acknowledging Hmm. the reality of, of there's something bigger that holds me together, that holds me to my family, that holds me to my community. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. I just, that's just an amazing process. I'm always in awe of, uh, of yeah. that happening. Mm, yeah, that awakening, that surrender to the transcendent. Yes. I know for me too, as someone probably similar to you who was raised, you know, from birth in the church and very much so, um, we don't always naturally have those moments when you come to faith as so, so many others do and to 
have that own renewal through others' eyes and then to begin to look back on my spiritual journey and name moments of renewal, of remembering um, where I can claim it as truly authentic is so powerful. It is. And necessary. It's especially when you grow mm-hmm. up in a, a faith-based culture. Um, it it's easy to confuse the culture that you grew up with with real faith or real mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And um and I think that can that can be a, a bit of a twisted surrogate for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's the pain, it's the adversity, it's it's all of that that actually drives us to a real experience with God. Yeah. And that's transformational. You can't come out of that without being changed. Yeah, it's fascinating. It it seems like a baptism of sorts, but um one that is of descent. Yes. Yes. Um into those unknown places of us. Yes. I think that's that, that's exactly what it is. And it's uncomfortable and it's not something mm-hmm. I'm not sure we would ever choose. Mm-hmm. Um, especially mm-hmm. initially. <laughs> Maybe once you get used to the process, yeah. you start to choose it. Uh-huh. Um well, one thing that really st- has stood out to me in your um, description so far is uh, the word confusion mm. seems to pop up often. And of course, discomfort. Um, there's something about that that feels like you said that no one would. <laughs> people choose to go on pilgrimages usually because they're looking for answers and clarity, not for confusion. Right. And yet uh, that confusion as you describe it, seems to be essential to the journey, um, seems to signal that something deeper is going on. Absolutely. Especially as you welcome them and they finish what they thought was their journey, realizing uh, there's a lot more down the road, so to speak, the metaphorical road, though the road has ended, their soul is not done. Right, right. I think... A lot of times that confusion comes when you realize you're not as self-sufficient as you think. When mm-hmm. life isn't mm-hmm. making sense like it should, or you think it should. Um, and so you're confused about it. And then that's when you recognize that uh, the answer is outside of you, that that you're not yeah. carrying the power or the knowledge or the understanding to actually sustain yourself. And... Um, and that's that's a hard realization at the end when someone's committed mm-hmm. a month or three months, depending where mm-hmm. they've started, and to arrive in the plaza in front of the cathedral and not to have the answers that they were working so hard to find um, mm. is is difficult. And so many people yeah. come in and and they're embarrassed to say it because they feel like they should be up. They just they, and they have accomplished quite a feat, uh, mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. I mean, 500 miles is what the yeah. uh, Camino Frances is. Right. Yeah. And, and then they come in and they're, you can tell, you, you can see it in their face. It's like, they're so disappointed, but they can't tell you why they're disappointed. Mm. And as soon as you tell them, this is normal, like so many pilgrims share your experience at this moment. Um, yeah. It, they break down crying. It's just this total release of like, <laughs> okay, this this is part of the process. Um, not many people talk about the breakdown at the end or prepare you for it. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I also kind of feel like that speaks to the nature of um, our independence. We, we think we're alone. We, we think it's only us processing. We don't know what to mm-hmm. do with that. And the minute you find out like, oh, especially when you have other pilgrims around the table that confirm I'm feeling the same way, there's yeah. just this instant um, camaraderie and comfort. And um, it's, it's really profound. And a lot of times we have nothing to do with that. It's just the fact that the community has gathered in our space and um, maybe they're commiserating over the fact that they haven't mm. quite found what they're looking for or, uh, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's powerful and it's, yeah. It seems like you offer this point of convergence that is sacred, even in the midst of the confusion. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, I think sacred's the perfect word because it, it feels so, um, visceral <laughs> and uh, uh, it's not normal by any means but it's it's tangible it's 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 not sacred in the sense that it's mystical or inexplicable um, yeah. but when people can come together and recognize their brokenness and recognize that they're in transition that they're in mm-hmm. the midst of of transformation of some sort together uh, yeah. what it's hard to think of a better word for that moment yeah yeah it seems like holy right right ground for sure and these are people from completely different faith backgrounds with completely different vocabularies for their experience but it's still the same um, yeah. process mm. well tell me about what you notice that's different, uh, especially maybe if it was a couple who walked together versus someone who walked on their own or people who found friendships, companionships along the way. I know when my husband went about three and a half years ago, um, and I, I was actually originally planning to go and then some things happened. And so I didn't go, but he was inspired by my wanting to go and decided he would go himself. Um, and people were surprised, you know, that we weren't doing it together, especially because of my work with pilgrimage. And yet I think we both knew we would have a different experience doing it alone than we would if we would have done it together. And it, you know, it would have been enriching either way. And yet at that point he needed to do it on his own. So what, what do you see, um, how, how relationships inform the journey as well? That's, um, I think those two journeys are very different. Yeah. Um, when, when you're alone, well, you're alone. Yeah. And um, now, now with mobile technology, it's getting easier and easier to distract yourself. So you don't necessarily have to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and can keep in contact with people right. as well. So you don't have that separation. Right. Um, which is changing a lot of people's communities. Some people choose to put those aside and they'll go without, um, but the solitude uh, and the loneliness, I mean, they're not the same thing, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they go hand in hand uh, mm-hmm. down the Camino, um, really define a lot of people's experience. Um, we spend so much time, like I said before, distracting ourselves from ourselves uh, that you can't. 
um, yeah. as a couple, yeah, I think it, you have to be a little bit more intentional because um, mm. it would be easy to make it just a great trip together. Mm-hmm. Um, Though I feel like, you know, 30 days in of hardship, there's some relational things that'll come up, yes. you know, out of the woodworks too, that could be good to work through. Exactly. And, and you have to be willing and, and, and ready to, to deal with those mm-hmm. as they come. Um, otherwise, you just do what you always do and kind of uh, circumnavigate the core issue and deal with, you know, whatever the symptom may be. Yeah. And it seems like the path heightens right. for singles and couples and friend groups alike. Yeah. Um, what often is numb or ignored in everyday life. Exactly. It, it, it comes out. And, um, and, and then you're faced with the choice. <laughs> if you honestly, it, it, it's kind of maybe even dangerous in the sense that if it comes out and you're not willing to deal with it, then you're really probably just going to make it worse. Um, yeah. as opposed to this is a, a, an opportunity, uh, to, I mean, who knows what it is, but for reconciliation to, to come back together over, mm-hmm. The misunderstanding, the hurt, um, yeah. moment of forgiveness, of showing mercy, showing grace, receiving mercy. I mean, I'm not sure which is harder at times, mm-hmm. you know, which side you're on. Um, and, and a lot of times, I don't think couples are quite as open with their experiences as individuals are in Pilgrim House. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. It probably seems more private and they kind of want to keep it between themselves. Whereas individuals, they don't have anyone else and they need someone else. And we are, yeah. we are there and, and, and willing. So we hear a lot more of that. Yeah. What about um, groups? I know that, well, I mean, there are some groups where they, they haul your luggage, et cetera, <laughs> yeah. you know, that I'm not even talking, we'll throw that one to the yeah, side for now. Um, but, um, but I know that there are groups that go, that do stay in the albergues, do carry their luggage. Um, but it's still a lead experience. I mean, I know there's a debate about, is it the Camino? Is it not? And I feel like it's, well, it is, it is the path. Um, but it's certainly a different experience than if you were to do it on your own, as you describe. And yet, I imagine, too, a lead experience provides that language that you all provide at Pilgrim House um, a a little earlier down the road. Yeah, I think those can be really helpful if they're intentional. Um, I I think, including with couples, but the larger group you have, the more intentional you really need to be. Um, I, I see a lot of groups, and despite the intention to be intentional, Mm-hmm it just becomes this moving party and yeah. it's a great experience mm. and you have fun. Um, but, uh, a, I don't know, a deeper, ex- um, yeah, experience or transformation, uh, it is more difficult. It's, it's just, there's yeah. too many other people to distract yourself with. Um, I also find that, in general, groups are more insular. They stay together in the albergues mm-hmm. and the restaurants. Mm-hmm. They don't make as many connections with others um, yeah. around and about as they come down. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the values and beautiful things about the Camino is the interaction of 
of so many cultures and so many mindsets and so many mm. different people. And more than likely, your group is pretty homogenous. Yeah. And yeah. so you've surrounded yourself with people who think or process or see very similar to yourself, mm-hmm. um, which, it, yeah, I don't want to devalue groups, but I, I think that to really enter, enter into the pilgrim mindset and the process of yeah. the pilgrim um, mm-hmm. has to be much more intentional and disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems like, as you're saying, that when you do it alone, um, that there is an intensity of experience that's hard to to achieve in a group setting just because of the comforts the group offers. Exactly. And not to say, not to discount that or say that's not valuable. Yeah. It's just, it's a very different thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's huge for community building. And, and Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that's not exactly what I would call a, 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 a pilgrim experience necessarily. You're, you're mm-hmm. processing and working mm-hmm. on different dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's interesting to have one road and yet you know, one, two, three, four, five plus, obviously with each individual, it's a different experience, but it seems like even the same person could walk it alone, could walk it as a couple or with a group of friends, could walk it as a part of a, an organized group, um, and certainly have valuable experiences each time, but it seems distinct oh, very. as yeah. well. And we, we've had pilgrims come in that have done each of those kinds of Caminos at different year on different years. Mm-hmm. And and they'll tell you how different each one of those were. Yeah, huh. and um, mm-hmm. and more and more as there's the Camino is blowing up in popularity. So there's more and more group tours. Uh, yeah, and even though I don't think that they have the true sort of deeper pilgrim experience, that oftentimes whets their appetite and is sort mm-hmm. of like the introduction. Mm-hmm. And they'll be back later, either with their husband and wife or mm-hmm. by themselves. Uh, yeah. So it's um, a taste and entry it point. Is, it is, which is valuable. Yeah. Hmm. Well, tell me about the value of hospitality uh, in the practice of pilgrimage and what it's like to receive pilgrims as guests and how they receive your gesture too. I know following on Instagram, was it like once a week or something you would even offer meals that looked quite extravagant <laughs> to me sitting in the comforts of my home, let alone, you know, having walked 500 miles. Yeah. Well, we, we really try to, to put out a spread. Um, and, and we don't do it once a week because, uh, for manpower and budget reasons and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so it usually happens two, three, four times a year. Um, oh, okay. And it's, it's seasonal. I was just dreaming of it once oh, a week. Maybe we would love <laughs> After that. Seeing yeah. the pictures. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, I mean, for budgetary reasons, I don't think we yeah. could do it once a uh-huh. week. Um, and there's only certain times of the year that we could even sustain a full table of pilgrims. Yeah. Uh, but, um, do people, how do they find you? See that, that's, that is difficult because pilgrims only walk one way. And so we're always hmm. trying to get upstream in terms of marketing and that sort of thing. So people, uh, will come in. Um, yeah, 
there's a good bit of online marketing and uh, we have a presence on some of the forums trying to help people sort the logistics of preparing for the Camino and that sort of thing. Um, and ultimately, it, it's it's just by prayer. We trust that God yeah. brings those because we don't have the facilities to to really take on a huge volume of people mm-hmm. and, and serve them well. So we just trust that those who need us, yeah, will cross find us. your yeah threshold. Well, and I've seen the pictures as well. Of I mean, you've got kind of a room devoted to prayer or centering with candles, with resources. And I know you've got these debrief sessions and even one-on-one sessions. I imagine it would just be the place of respite someone needs. Yes. Yes. And well, that's what, that's our dream. That's what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I think until you actually come into Santiago, if it's your first Camino, at least um, it's a need you don't even know you have. Um, because I think a lot of people know that we exist or know that we're somewhere in town. Um, but until they actually get to town, they're not really that interested in coming by. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. they realize that, oh, I'm kind of worn out and everybody in town's trying to sell me something. <laughs> and, um, and it is a quiet place to, mm. um, just, yeah, sit and rest and collect your thoughts and your emotions without, uh, needing to buy more coffee or a beer or mm-hmm. um, there's no expectations. Just come in and use the space and uh, we make ourselves available if they need that. Yeah. I, I think we all dream of maybe having a, a longer term retreat center of sorts because mm-hmm. right now we can just accommodate people as a, like a welcome day center. Yeah. Um, and so they come and go throughout the day, but we have no beds. We don't have facilities and showers. But to offer a place that um, people could stay overnight for multiple days, and we actually do have a program that uh, helps them to begin to process and to sit down, um, mm-hmm. I think is that would be um, that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. Limited resources, limited time. Mm-hmm. We work with what we have. Um, yeah. And, and, and just to kind of go back to your question of hospitality, one of uh, our, our guiding sort of ideas of what hospitality is comes from Henry Nouwen. And uh, he talks about it as creating space for transformation to happen. And uh, I think that's very much what we focus on because we're not making the transformation happen. So... Mm whether it's offering physical space or giving someone the mental space or, or permission to, to start processing and that it's safe and you can say what you like and you can just put it all out there and, um, uh, is hugely important. And so of course, coffee and tea and food Mm -hmm. and desserts all sort of facilitate that. Um, but the real hospitality is just a safe space. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I think that's just in the world in general is a rare thing. Um, yeah. We, we are on our guard so, so much um, that when you do find those places, um, there is a, uh, we don't really know what to do in that space. It takes time mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. uh, let your guard down and start to, to 
see what's going on. But the beauty of the Camino is most of the time people are already prepared and they're ready to receive that space. Mm. I don't think our space would necessarily work in many other places in the world mm. uh, because the Camino does so much of the work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a valuable offering for sure. I hope so. These final questions are ones I like to ask everyone. And as you mentioned um, before we started recording, this first one, a lot of people uh, have mentioned the Camino. I'd say like 80% have said they wow. want to walk the Camino. I'll, I'll pass the question to you and say, if you were going on pilgrimage, where would you want to go next? Wow. Um, I think <laughs> I've given this a lot of thought, actually. Hmm. And, but I can't escape my wife. Well, actually, I, I, um, I have two little girls. So all four of us went to Iceland this past year. Oh, wow. And it was too short, but it was an amazing trip. And, um, that is a land that, uh, well, so by training, I, uh, I have a, uh, a bachelor of fine arts and sculpture. Mm, wow. And so materials and texture and um, all of that speak to me deeply. Yeah. It just. It, oh, and Iceland feels like a giant sculpture. Exactly. In so many ways. That landscape is so foreign. It is. And fascinating. And, and the scale, like it, it's, it's huge. And then you look at your feet and there's just incredibly beautiful rocks and plants. Mm, and so mm -hmm. the whole, the scale of the place, um, from the minute to the giant is, yeah. is beautiful. And it's, it's really life giving for me. Mm, so mm -hmm. to be able to walk through that space and soak it in, um, would, would be pretty tremendous for me right now. Oh, I bet. So I think that would be my choice. Yeah. And what journey are you on right now in your daily life? Which happens to be in Santiago de Compostela. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, well, I think there's, like I said, I, I have two little girls. So mm -hmm. being a, uh, a present uh, father when there's so much going on around us um, is, is always a journey. Yeah. Um, and, and I tell you, there's nothing like having two little girls to mirror your shortcomings <laughs> and, and that's just uh that's amazing in itself yeah um, and i think this summer for various reasons um this this sounds strange but I, i'm really falling back in love with um with the text of the bible mm -hmm. and that uh, especially Genesis one through six right now. I haven't been able to yeah. get out of it for like two months, but um, I think it's a journey of recognizing God's beauty and my value and mm. um, which isn't always an easy thing to recognize, but yeah. Um, yeah. So that's probably, those two are my two daily focuses right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's especially that, 
journeying back into the text. I'm sure having been raised so closely to it exactly. and then had a multitude of experiences, a pilgrimage. I don't know if there are any other words to describe what it's like to go back in. Right, right. And I mean, it's, it is, it's becoming to me like this deep, deep work of art that mm. um, growing up with it mm -hmm. uh, has always been just a, uh, a sermonized, moralized text. Mm -hmm. And the nuance that you memorize, etc. Right, right. And, uh -huh. and you read it and you're like, how do I apply this today, right uh -huh. now? Um, but to see it as not that clear and, mm. um, and, and actually it requires me to wrestle with it. And there's just so much nuance and, and, and texture and, and poetry. Um, the richness I, I've never fully appreciated. And it's really, um, it's amazing me right now, and, and I'm really yeah. loving it. Wow. Well, what are some practices or practical tools for those interested in walking the Camino sometime in the future? You might have some final things to share or even um, things about integrating the journey once it's complete, no matter where it takes you. Wow, uh, this is, um, it's so individual, it's hard. I, I would... Mm. Initially, I tell everyone just to slow down and to really be intentional with your preparation. Yeah. Um, uh, the smartphones and mobile phones now are making wayfinding extremely easy, hmm. which relieves a lot of stress for a lot of people. But they also make everyday life, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram and all those social distractions, really too convenient. Mm -hmm. um, so in some form, I recommend that people restrain that, yeah. um, whether mm -hmm. it's uh, use it only for communication, uh, what it, I don't know, once every three days, once a week, or mm -hmm. what have you. But I think just the, the deliberate use of it, um, it will change the walk as opposed to just yeah. using it. Yeah. Well, and I imagine, too, I mean, our cameras are there now. Right. As well. And I know, well, one, it's the distraction. You get it out to take a picture and you look at something else. But I know often, too, I find myself taking pictures, trying to capture a moment and not, I can never capture it in the same way. Right. So even taking pictures, I feel like can be a distraction at times, too. Right. And, and I think that's another thing that I think is useful is instead of taking the picture to uh, maybe take a moment at that time or at the end of the day to journal about it. Because mm. um, it, it slows you down to actually process not only what you saw, but why are you responding to it yeah. the way you yeah. are? Mm. And um, uh, it, maybe a picture would be good to attach to that somehow to help yeah. you remember. But um, the moment a lot of times uh, is so much more than just the image or, or just what you're looking at. And um, mm -hmm. so writing about it is a tremendous help. Um, well, it seems like for integrating the journey, um, that having someone like a spiritual director, um, similar to the one-on-one -on -one offerings you have, or some, some companion to debrief with and to hold that space for you, and even intentionally to hold that space for yourself rather than rushing back into life. Absolutely. Could yeah. be valuable for any journey. Yeah. And especially someone that is, 
ex- or has experienced at least a pilgrimage or yeah. understands the process of the heart and soul. Mm-hmm. I don't think you mm-hmm. have to necessarily have walked a pilgrimage, but you, you, you need someone that um, understands the struggle yeah. and doesn't try to give you easy, quick answers, but will let you sit yeah uh in it and um and kind of i don't know just give space for the holy spirit to show you your own way out mm-hmm. um, and encourage you to stay with that but mm-hmm. in, in terms of going home we have found your pilgrim's principles to be hugely popular and hugely helpful oh good i'm um, so glad we have a number of resources in the back and that is by far the one that's taken the most And um, I think it just speaks to, that's what everyone wants. They want to take what Mm -hmm. they have and and hold on to it at home. And um, the process is different, but it's totally possible. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing it. And can you share um, with others your website so they can find you? And I know uh, you take donations as well if people want to support Pilgrim House too. Yes, we um, we, we only exist off of donations because we don't really want to uh, put too much burden on those using us. It, it seems weird to serve someone and then ask for money. Um, so we, we try to support ourselves outside of those that are actually using the center, if that makes sense. Um, so uh, pilgrimhousesantiago.com is our website. And all of our information of, of our heart and our purpose and how to donate and, and help us is, is there. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Well, could you share with us a benediction to end our time today? Of course. Um, so there is a farmer artist in Kansas. His name is Jack Baumgartner. Hmm. And actually, I'm only a fan virtually. I don't know him. But um, he has a daily prayer that I've adopted for the past couple of months that I just feel like is at the heart of everything. And so he says every day he prays, um, Father, show me your heart today. Help me to see your heart today, Father. And that's become a bit of a daily mantra for me because I Mm. think whatever's going on, um, his heart is towards me and for me. Hmm. And, um, the more I can see that and, and receive that, yeah. then, uh, I'm, I'm more stable. I'm yeah. on an even kill to kind of deal with things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Certainly. Thank you. Thanks for joining with us today. Find episode notes and sign up to receive updates and a free pilgrim guide at asacredjourney.net slash podcast. And subscribe to Pilgrim Podcasts through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd leave a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. When you leave a review, it helps other seekers just like you find Pilgrim Podcast. To find out how to leave a review, visit asacredjourney.net slash podcast. I'll be back again next month with another conversation on practicing pilgrimage at home and abroad. Until then, blessings on the journey.